Do you want to change the world? This is the time of the year when valedictorians all across the country are giving speeches where they tell you that you should go out there and change the world. And it sounds really good. There's a buzz around that phrase. Yeah, I want to change the world. That's awesome. And, and listen, I'm a, I'm a change junkie. So when people start talking about changing the world, I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Like, that sounds fantastic. No one really answers the question of what you want to change it to. That's not important right now. But do you just even want to change it? Like, yeah, I love that. I mean, I love inspirational quotes about change that are set against pictures of mountaintops or like somebody whitewater rafting or something like this picture and like change is, you know, like this is great. I love that stuff. And really, in my adult life, I've wanted to be a change agent. I've wanted to influence others and gain influence so that I can help change things. And specifically in my own calling, I, I feel like God uh, has, has called me to change and, and to help others change and, and help point other people towards Him. So that's been a driver in my life is I want to gain influence so I can help point other people towards Him and, and bring about change in, in our world. Now some of you, uh, when I say, do you want to change the world, you're like, not really. Is that okay? Is that an acceptable answer? I know you want me to say that I'm supposed to change the world, but I just want to change, you know, jobs, maybe. Uh, I, I want to maybe change my marital status or, you know, get married now or something. Like, like maybe we, you're not thinking like, oh, the great big world. Like, you're thinking like, can I just do something kind of regular um, and maybe not do this massive thing? But I think that the desire to be an influencer and to bring change in the world is actually hardwired into us from God. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, you see that God creates the heavens and the earth and the plants and the animals and all that, and then he creates mankind. He puts a, a man and a woman together in, in this space. And, and, and he, when he creates them, this is what he tells them. He, he says, first off, he says, look, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, go make more of yourselves. You, go, make, go make some babies. That's the first thing God tells humanity that they, they need to do which is a really cool thing. He's, he's basically saying, I want you to be creative. I want you guys to make something as well. I've made some things. I've given you starting materials. Now I want you to go create something and, and make more. And then he says, I want you to fill the earth. And he says, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to have dominion over the, the animals and, and everything. And I want you to make something out of what is here. And so since that time up until now, mankind has been making something out of the earth that we're in. We have, we have made, you know, baseball stadiums and art galleries and skyscrapers and, and just music and all of these things we've made using the raw materials that God gave us. We've, we've made something out of it. We've, we've been creative. And I think that's hardwired into us to, to, to make something to, to, and to use our influence to help other people um, build and, and create. Uh, God has designed us for intimacy, that we would connect with one another, and he's designed us for impact, that we would make a difference and leverage our influence for the good of, of the world. This is wired into us. And so I want to talk about today uh, an aspect of that. We, we've been in this series called Movers and Shakers, and we're talking about the concept of influence. All of us in this room have influence. How are we going to use it for, for the good and for, and for God? We thought about calling this series something that has to do with the word leader, like leadership series something or other, you know, uh, which would have been a bad title. But we we're going to call it something about leader. But the problem is, if I say this is a series about leaders, a lot of people in the room go, yeah, I'm not a leader. So they go, I'll just check out, this must not be for me. And whether you consider yourself a leader or not, the reality is you have influence over someone, somewhere, at school, at work, in your home. 
in a club, on a team. Some, someone out there looks at you and says, how are you doing it? Okay, let me, let me do it kind of like that. And so whether you think of yourself as a leader or not, the truth is you are an influencer in some way. And so this series is about how do we best leverage that influence for the, for the good of God's kingdom. Tommy started out a couple weeks ago by, by pointing out in the life, we're kind of looking through the life of Moses. He pointed out that even before Moses steps up and does the things he's all famous for, uh, God was at work in Moses' life and he was preparing the way and he brought along helpers along the way to help use their influence that they had and put Moses into the right place. And then last week, Tommy talked about anger and the idea that our anger can be destructive, but it can also be productive. It can also mean something good. We can look at, hey, there's righteous anger. There's this thing that really bothers me. I get angry about it. And maybe that's where God is calling you to use your influence in his kingdom. The thing that makes you angry in the world, maybe God's calling you and saying, hey, this, notice this, this is on your heart. Go to work at this thing. And so we've talked about those two aspects. And today I want to talk about the idea of uh, calling, what is God calling you to do? Now, calling is a term that is used by Christians all the time. Christians say, oh, you know, God called me to do this, or it's a calling of God. But if you're not a Christian in this room, and, and first of all, let me say, if you're not, I'm really glad that you're here with us today. If you're not a Christian, the idea of calling sounds weird a little bit, right? Well, let me give it a different word instead of calling. What if I said the word vocation? Vocation Actually, uh, maybe we're a little more familiar with that outside of religious circles, but vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means calling. So, uh, so maybe if I said it's your vocation, it's not just a job, it is a, a calling. You, you, you feel maybe some sort of higher sense of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And when we start talking about calling from God, it brings up all these kind of questions. How do I know if I'm called by God? What is God calling me to do? What will it feel like when he calls me? Uh, am, I, am I just crazy when I think God has called me? What if I missed God's call? What if God left me a voicemail and I don't even know how to get it? Like, how do I, how do I relate to this idea that God has called me? Well, let me lay my cards out for you right up front. Um, I, I really believe God calls people to do things, and he has done throughout history. If you even look in the Bible right from the beginning up until where we're looking at today in Exodus with Moses, you know, God needs a carpenter, and he calls Noah to build an ark. God needs someone to uh, step out in faith and be a leader of his people, and he calls Abraham to journey away from his home. Uh, God needs a leader in a time of famine in Egypt for, for the Israelites that are living there, and he calls Joseph to be that leader. And God needs someone to step up and lead the people out of slavery in Egypt, and he calls Moses for that time. And I think... God still calls us today. He doesn't call you to lead the people out of slavery necessarily, um, but he does call you to do some things. Maybe God's calling you to quit that job and start that business. Maybe God's calling you with the home that you have. He's saying, I want you to foster and adopt and, and, and make a loving home for a, a, a child who needs one. Maybe God's calling you to serve in other ways in the community that you haven't even dove into yet, and he's saying, hey, it's time to step out and get uncomfortable. Maybe God's calling you to go on that mission trip across the seas, and you're like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. That makes me uncomfortable. Maybe God's calling you to make a commitment that you've been a little scared of, but he's saying, all right, it's time to go. God has always called people, and he still does. So we're looking at the story of Moses. And, 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 I wanna, and what I want to do is just go through a little bit of Moses' story here, a very famous encounter he has with God. 
And I want to kind of read through it and see some lessons we can get out of it. And then I want to give you kind of a tool or like a grid to look at calling in your own life and sort of in the modern day. And then I want to give you a couple cautions as we apply that in our lives. And, and hopefully when you walk out of here, you'll have maybe a better sense of calling and a better sense of how you can kind of sort through your own uh, as God is at work in your life. So I want to, I want to pick it up in Exodus chapter 3. Um, Moses has grown up. Uh, Tommy pointed this out last week. Moses got angry and he murdered someone out in the desert. And then he kind of hid out in the desert. And then he used his anger for good and protected some people. And so that was a, a, a kind of a cool thing. And, and that takes us to this point. Uh, Moses is out in the desert, and um, God appears to him. Exodus, uh, we're going to start in chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. All right, first thing I need you to know, at this point, you know how old Moses is? He's like 80. So all this stuff we're going to read for the rest of, of Moses' life He's an old guy when he, when he does it. So he's like 80. And, and, and I just want to point that out because a lot of times we can feel like I'm sort of past my prime. Like I can't do anything. We say, oh, that's a young man's game. I can't. It's a young woman's game. I can't do these things anymore. Man, God calls people. Daniel is thrown in the lion's den when he's about 80. God calls Abraham to go when he's like 100. Uh, the, the prophetess Anna in the New Testament, when she meets Jesus as a, as a little baby, she's 84. She's been waiting her whole life for that moment. God uses people who are older, and if you are on the older end of this crowd, and I'm not calling you old, all right, I just want you to know right up front, you, I will let you self-identify on that, okay? But if you're on the older end, listen, well, I, I want you to hear this, we need you. We need you to step up. You can't say, oh, I did my time. Like, no, you've, you've got wisdom, you've got experience. I'm not saying you're perfect, because you're not, right? But you've got wisdom and experience, and we need it here. We need you pouring into people who are younger than you. And if you're on the older end of the crowd, good news. Most of the people are younger than you. That's awesome. Pour in. Don't just say, say it's time for me to sit back. We need you to step up because God uses people and, and leverages their influence for the greater good, even when, when they're older, like Moses was. Okay? Going on. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. It's weird, right? This bush is burning, but it's not burning up. We all know what it looks like when it burns up. And it's not burning up. There's something that's like set it afire, ablaze, right? And, and, and it's not burning up. And so Moses like, this is a weird thing. What is this? And then it gets weirder. From the, voice, from the, the burning bush, a voice speaks to him and says, Moses. And he's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm here. I don't know if there's instant replay in heaven, but this is one of the things I want to see. Like, how did this go down? What did this actually look like? I have so many questions that are unanswered here. All right, continuing on, verse 5. Then he said, God, this is God, he says, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. All right, 
little, little history background here. The Israelites are used to, from the time Abraham is called to go to this foreign land, the Israelites are used to this idea that God communicates to his people pretty directly at times through Abraham and, and through others, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And when God shows up to Moses, he, he identifies himself. I said, I am the God of all these people that have gone before you, your, your people, uh, your forefathers. I, I am that God. And that's important to point out because at the time of, that this happens, God has been quiet for about 400 years. And so Moses, and everybody Moses knows, and all the Israelites that are, nobody can even remember a time when God communicated to people. It's like so far back in history. Think about that, 400 years, almost, almost tw- uh, twice as old as our country is. You're talking about 400 years ago, from, for us, modern day, 400 years ago is like Shakespeare era. That's how long it's been when Moses gets this call from God, that's how long it's been that God has spoken up and connected. So he identifies himself and says, hey, that God that you've heard about, maybe that from over the years, um, that's me. That's who's, who's talking to us. And Moses, uh, when, he, when he sees God and when he has this encounter with God, um, Moses kind of freaks out. It says he hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And I just want to point that out because that is the reaction in the Bible when people come that close to God. They, they just freak out. Um, and, it's, and it's terrifying. And we need to contrast that with our American view of God. We tend to, and I think the church is at fault for this as, as much as anyone, I suppose, but we tend to view God in like this, he's our buddy the buddy Jesus kind of thing, like it's all, you know, he's friends. We're like, we're, we're, we're homies and we hang out. We're not homies. Um, God is uh, great and, and, and different than us and powerful. And the people who come and encounter with that, yeah, there's a love there. There's a power there. There's an, uh, there's an awe there. But there's, there's also a sense of like, whoa. And maybe Moses is terrified because he knows he murdered somebody, right? And so he's like, if, if this really is God, and he's like, is God going to show up and be like, I know what you did last summer, and it was bad, <laughs> you know, because I think that would be a natural reaction we would have, right? Like, uh-oh. Like, if, if God walks in here right now, you're going to be like, uh-oh, he knows that stuff I did, right? And so Moses sees God, he kind of uh, freaks out, but there's something powerful there. God says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. This is a powerful moment. There's something overwhelming, awe-inspiring, and I don't even know how to approximate it for us. Um, uh, growing up, I was a huge fan of golf. I used to want to be on the PGA Tour. Uh, that was like a, my childhood dream. Some people want to be an astronaut. I want to be a professional golfer. It sounded awesome. I'm like the same age as Tiger Woods, so I saw him kind of come up through the ranks. And even in junior golf, I knew who he was. And, um, and I got to see him play in Colorado years ago when he was at the peak of his game. And uh, I remember standing like five feet from him. I'm standing there at the tee box. He's teeing off like right there. And I'm like, Tiger freaking woods right here, you know, like to a golf fan, this was like, whoa, it's Tiger, you know, and it's, the, it's in Colorado's mountain air, so he hits the ball like, I don't know, 400 yards or something, I'm like, this is awesome, you know, and it was like this awe of like, I'm, I'm in the presence of greatness, right, and maybe you felt that way in your own field, in your own background, uh, I've heard symphonies from Mozart, I'm like, this guy was a genius, and I've heard a symphony just nail it and do something really great, and I'm like, this is incredible. I have uh, climbed, uh, our first week we lived in Colorado, I climbed a, 
well, climbs a uh, 11 or 12,000 foot mountain and you get up the top and you see these mountains all around and it's like incredible and you're like, the awe that that is, the creation that you see in front of you, it's just an incredible, powerful thing. And there's a sense of, of almost reverence or an awe or respect for, for what, you're, what you're encountering. And maybe that, any of those feelings, is one one millionth of what it felt like to be in the presence of God in that moment where you just go, man, this is incredible. Um, and, and, and slightly terrifying, and this is powerful. And so God gives his call to Moses, and I want us to read it and then talk about our call. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." Here's the call. God says, look, I have a plan. I have seen the suffering of the Israelites who are suffering as slaves in Egypt, and I've got a plan. I'm going to rescue them. Moses, you're my dude. You are going to go right to Pharaoh, the leader of one of the most powerful uh, armies and, and civilizations in the ancient world. You're going to go stand before him, and you're going to demand that he get rid of his entire free labor force, and, and send them away so that you guys can all go out, and then I will take you to a, another place. Um, and and, and that's, that's great, right? I mean, that's, that's powerful. You think about that. You think about how terrifying that would be. And it's great. It's powerful. It's a cool thing. Um, and if you follow along the rest of Exodus, you see that it actually does happen. And that's, that's really great for Moses. He got a very clear call from God, a very clear plan, and, um, and, it, and it worked out. But unless a burning bush catches fire at your house and doesn't uh, get burned up, our calling is going to be a little more complicated than that, right? Or at least not as easy to recognize. God is not typically in the business of burning bushes or is typically in the business of like skywriting or anything like that. So how do we know if God has called us to something? And let me give you this grid. There are four things. If you're someone who takes notes, you want to write this down. Uh, four, four things to consider when you're trying to say, hey, is God calling me to do X? Whatever X is, all right? I want you to run it through this grid of four things. Number one, Scripture. Is God calling you to do something? Do you think God's calling you to do something that, is, that goes against what he's already written down for us in his word? Like, you, you, you go, oh, that's, that's kind of silly. Like, who does that? Yeah, yeah, people do that. They're like, you know, God's calling me to leave my wife. No, he is not. Like, I'm pretty sure it says that God doesn't like divorce, and so... He's not, it's not him calling you to do that. You may be calling you to do that, but let's be honest about what that is. That is not the call of God. God does not call you to do something that is entirely against all of his words that he already wrote down for us. So the first thing to consider is, is it honorable, biblical, scriptural of the thing that I'm setting out to do? And sometimes the answer is it's neutral. It's, not, it's neither good nor bad. It's not anti-scriptural. That's good. That, that, that can be a good thing. So number one is it scriptural. Number two, do you have a gifting towards this thing? So if you said, man, I want to start a company or whatever it is, like, are you good at the thing? God has given you special 
and unique talents and abilities. There are things you can do that other people can't do. There's something you're great at that the person sitting next to you is terrible at. So you're wired up in a particular way. Do you have a gifting for the thing that you're considering? Um, or is God calling you to do something you're, you're not gifted at? I mean, that, maybe that's possible, but it's just something to think about. Scripture, gifting. Number three, do you have affirmation? Do other people look at you and go, oh, you're totally good at that thing. And you're like, I'm considering about doing this thing. And other people are like, that is so you. Consider the affirmation of others, how God uses other people to nudge you in a particular direction with his calling. Now, pro tip on this, don't just listen to your mom because she thinks you're awesome at everything. So if she's like, you've always been so good at it, thanks, mom, but find some other people. Uh, I, that's, why, that's why I always liked like, the first episode of American Idol. You know, the first episode of American Idol is a parade of people who never were told that they were bad at something. You know what I mean? Like, there, there, someone was always like, oh, you're so good at that. You should just keep doing it, you know? And it's like, where were their real friends telling them, this is not your thing, bro? Like, you're just not good at this. So, uh, scripture, gifting, affirmation, do people affirm this thing that you're, you're, you're thinking about? And then finally, need. Is there a need in the world? There are dragons to slay, there are problems to fix, there are things that need to be dealt with in your field, in our culture, in America. Like, uh, is there a need for the thing that you think God might be calling you to? And if you can align those four things, scripturally it's good, um, I have a gifting in this area, people affirm this in me, and uh, it meets an area of need, uh, there's a good chance that God is calling you. So what are the needs in the world you're wired up to fix? What, if you're good at medicine, how could God use medicine to serve the least of these among us, to serve people who are in, in pain? If you're good, uh, if you have a, a good home, how could God use that to maybe foster or adopt and, and serve kids in need? If, you, um, if you're good with a camera, can you use your camera to tell better stories? If you're a writer, can you write better stories than, than what comes out of maybe Hollywood or, 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 or our culture? So here's the idea. Use, uh, use that grid. Uh, use those four things in determining calling in your own life. Let me tell you how it worked for me, and then we'll maybe run an example for how it might work for you. Uh, for me, did God call me to start a church? Yeah, he did. Um, but it wasn't a burning bush, and it wasn't skywriting or anything like that. In fact, if you just sort of run the grid on the thing, um, I, I can see it. Uh, scripture, is it biblical to start a church? Okay, that's an easy one. All right, yes. Um, that one is not so hard. Uh, God, Jesus promises to build his church. Uh, you see churches being started all throughout the New Testament. You see the community, the kingdom of God growing. Okay, yes, that was, that was a checkbox for me. Uh, number two, gifting. Um, am I gifted in that way? Well, um, for whatever reason, from second grade on, I've always been a guy who stood on stage and talked in front of people. Uh, and I mean like in plays, musical theater, like... Uh, other people are like, I'm, I'm terrified of public speaking. And for whatever reason, it was always not terrifying to me. Uh, it, it was always like, yeah, I think I can do this. Other people, they get nervous about it. I, 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 mean, I still get nervous at times, but, you know, it's not so bad for me. Okay, yes, I'm gifted at this. And, and, and then along with that, there's affirmation. People have said, uh, Chris, you have these gifts. You, you can serve the church in these ways. Chris, you're a talker. And I, I think they meant that as a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not all the time did they mean that as a good thing, but it was like, okay, you're a dog. you can do this, not just preaching, but the other aspects of leading a church. People have affirmed in me over the years, yeah, you're wired up for this. And then need. 
Is there a need? When we planted Area 10, there was in, when we moved to Richmond in 2006, there was one church I could identify in the city limits of Richmond that was a, a pretty uh, progressive sort of contemporary church. There were some older churches, but most of the churches that were a little more contemporary were out in like Midlow or, or Hanover County or Shore Pump or something. And so we we're like, man, in the city, there's not a lot here. And so the idea was, and why we launched in 2008, was we wanted to do a, a contemporary church here that is in the city for the city and, and serving this place. So all of those things aligned in me. Now, did I know in the moment that God was definitely calling me to that thing? No, I, 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 I don't know. Um, it would be revisionist history to say I had like this clean sort of burning thing inside me, but I do think this grid aligned for me. And it was like, as you look back on it, you go, yeah, that is God's calling in my life. Now let's, let's do it for you. If, 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 if you're like, man, should I start this business? I've been thinking about getting out of this field and starting this business, starting this career, going down this route. Well, scripture, uh, is the business you're going to start immoral or illegal? It's probably not going to line up with scripture then, right? No? Okay, it checks the boxes. Can you do it honestly and with integrity? Yeah, I can. All right, good. Then, then you're good there on the scripture side. Number two, uh, gifting. Are you actually good at the thing that you want to start? There's a business or whatever, a company. Uh, you, you got a dream. Are you good at the thing? Do you know a lot about it? Have you worked in it? Are, are you good at it? Affirmation. Do people, when you, when you dream out loud and you say, man, I'd really love to start, are people like, oh my gosh, that's so you? Like, that is your jam. You should do that. Do you get that kind of affirmation when you think about that thing? And then need. Is there a need in that field, in that company? You go, okay, there's a niche here that's not being served. Um, and and can, I, can I do it? Because if you start that business, you can contribute to the flourishing of our culture. You can employ people, and it can be a great thing. You can do some great things uh, for God in your community, maybe by, by launching that thing. So here's the deal. Use, use these four things as a grid for you tonight. Here's your homework. Sit down and go, what decision am I facing? And let me just try running it through this grid and see where you go. Now, you may get stumped on the scripture thing up front. Maybe you need to Google some verses about the thing you're doing or whatever and just kind of see, you know, maybe just kind of start there. Maybe talk to a friend who knows the scripture and say, what about this idea? Um, But run through that grid and and use that as a way of, of kind of determining how God is calling you. Now, let me give you the fine print before we're done. Because people have done really dumb things in life, believing God called them to do them. And people have ignored great things that they can do, and they've effectively left money on the table when they've ignored what God is calling them to do. So we, we, can, we can often miss this thing. Um, and so let me give you some fine print, just a couple things, some words of caution here, and then we'll wrap it up. Let me go back to the conversation with Moses and God. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Okay. So Moses throws a challenge flag to this whole plan. You want me to go in front of Pharaoh and tell him to release his labor force? Um, yeah, who, who am I to do that? Like, I ain't no thing. Like, I'm just a guy out here in the desert. Like, I, I'm not, and, and, and God says, I'm going to give you a sign. But if you look closely, look at it on the screen. What is the sign God gives Moses? He's like, I'll give you a sign so you'll know. When you're done, you're going to come back and you're going to worship on this mountain. Everyone's going to worship together. That's weird, right? Like, God who sits outside of time 
I'm sure that makes sense for him. But for Moses, what this sounds like is, I need a sign that this is the right thing to do. And God's like, yeah, later when you're done doing it, you're going to have a party. Cool. That's not really a sign. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you said to me, hey, Chris, um, the Redskins are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm like, oh, yeah? All right. Well, like how do you, I just know. Like you, you can bet on it. Like I would put money in Vegas right now. Redskins are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and you're like, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to, like, drain my bank account and put money on that, like, just get, go with you on that, like, if we're all in on this, what's the sign? Like, how do I know? And you'll be like, when they win, we're going to have a party in Vegas. I'm like, cool, not a sign. Like, it's just a plan, it's a, plan, it's a hope, there's a dream there, not a sign. And that's what, that's what Moses gets from God on this. Like, you're going to do this terrifying thing, and here's your sign. When it's done, it's going to be fun. You're going to have a party and everything. Here's what I want you to hear. Number one, confirmation comes after the call. Confirmation comes after the call. The scary part is you may not get confirmation on the front end as you step forward into something. Those waters may not part until you put a foot in them. You go, okay, well, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this thing. Um, and it, that's so true of so many things in life. Was I a hundred? Was I 100% sure that we were supposed to, uh, this church was supposed to meet in this movie theater? No, I was not. I tell you when I was 100% sure, when this movie theater said that we could meet here. I was like, yes, that is where we are supposed to meet. I knew it. You know, like, yes, God, Bird Theater, love it, all in, right? The confirmation comes later. Was I 100% sure that I was supposed to marry my wife? I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like, I had a good good feeling about it. We were vibing, you know, like it was good, some good things going. But was she the one? She was the one when I married her. I was like, okay, I guess she's the one. Like, we're done. This is great. Now I am 100% sure because she's now the one. I mean, that makes a terrible greeting card, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Like, we don't know. You don't always get confirmation in the second, in the moment. Sometimes the confirmation comes after the call, after you step forward, after you start moving God gives you the confirmation, and so you may not get that right away, so the, the trick is stay humble, stay flexible. If God closes a door, that might mean a closed door and you're done. If he opens another door, it might mean you need to walk through that door. But if God closes all the doors, he may actually just be calling you to run through the wall. We don't know, right? So stay open, stay flexible, and keep listening to God as you, as you, as you kind of move through your vision. Um, and, and here's the last thing I want you to hear. Even if God calls you, you're you're not going to have all the answers. You won't have all the answers of how it's all going to work out. Some of the best visions in the world, you start poking holes in them. They're like, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. We'll see, you know. Listen to verse 13 and 14. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moses tries to get out of this. He's like, you know, what if I go there and they don't believe me and I'm going to talk to Pharaoh and, he's going to be, and they're going to be like, what God sent you? Because the Egyptians have lots of gods, Isis, Osiris, all these gods, you know. And, and Moses is like, what, you know, who am I going to tell them sent me? And God says, I am who I am. And I got to imagine as Moses hears that, God says, tell them I am. And Moses leans in like, I am what? I am awesome. I am super big. I am powerful, and God answers, I am who I am. Whoa, wait a second. That's not, that's not all that helpful either. Like, 
It, like, that's the answer you want me to give. But the truth is that that phrase, I am, is, is, is this, this word that Israel has was associated with God, Yahweh, uh, and it, it's basically, it's the God who is, the God who provides. There's, there's lots of depth into that phrase. We're not going to go into all of it now, but it's like, I, I am, I'm the one who always has been, and I'm the one who always will be. Um, I am this all-encompassing, all-powerful God, and I want you to tell them, tell them this is who, um, who sent you. And so, maybe that's not a satisfying answer, but I think the reality is when God calls you, you don't get all the answers, but the truth is, even though you don't have all the answers on God's call, what you do have is God with you, and that makes all the difference. God will be with you, even if you don't understand how it's all going to work out. It's okay if God is with you and you're following his call, it's okay to feel like you're winging it a bit, you know? It's okay to feel like some things you're making it up as you go along. So there it is. I want you to spend time thinking about how God is calling you to spread influence. The world is full of needs, and you are called by God to step up and make an impact on those needs. I heard a, a, a preacher in Charlotte say this, and I wanted to leave this with you. He says this, there are questions that beg to be answered. There are dilemmas to be overcome. There are gaps to be filled, and the challenge for you is to fill them. This is the essence of the high call of spiritual leadership. There is purpose for your being here. You are meant to answer something, solve something, provide something, lead something, discover something, compose something, write something, say something, translate something, interpret something, sing something, create something, teach something, preach something, bear something, overcome something, and in doing so, you improve the lives of others under the power of God for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I I pray that we would have an intense burning call from you that, that we would, as we step out, we would know where you're calling us to go. And even if the, the confirmation isn't 100% in that moment, we would still uh, step forward in faith and know that you are with us and that the confirmation will come later. God, um, I thank you for how you call people in this church and so many incredible things that have, that have been birthed here, uh, so many incredible ways that I see faithful risk takers stepping up all over this church to, uh, to get out of their comfort zone and, and do what you're calling them to. God, I pray that that continues, and, and, and in, in doing that, the kingdom of God here in the city of Richmond flourishes, and our work uh, globally in Vietnam and other places uh, flourishes as well. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.